Tonight, in the somewhat abbreviated time that we have, I want to talk about one of Jesus' apostles. When you hear the term apostles, he's one that doesn't readily necessarily lead the list in coming to mind. I want to talk about one of Jesus' apostles who was actually one of the first to get to know and spend time with Jesus, but yet he is one of the least known and least talked about and preached about in today's church. He is one of Jesus' disciples who's not mentioned a whole lot in the scriptures, but much of the time when he is mentioned, or better yet, much of the time when he is present doing something, he is performing one of the most important missions that our Lord asks of us. He's a man who operated most of his life with Jesus, as according to the gospel accounts, in relative obscurity, if you were to compare him to some of the other apostles. But yet again, whenever we see him in the scriptures, he is often seen doing that one same mission with but a couple of exceptions. That disciple, whom Jesus later handpicked to be one of his apostles, was none other than Andrew. Talk tonight about Andrew. In fact, the title of tonight's lesson is, And Andrew, His Brother, because we always talk about Peter. Now, one of the reasons for that, probably, is because Andrew's name is only mentioned 13 times in 12 verses in the entire New Testament. 13 times, that's it. That's all we know about Andrew, by name. 13 times in 12 verses in the entire New Testament. His brother Peter's name, by comparison, is mentioned 162 times in 156 verses. And that number does not count the 21 times that Peter is simply referred to as Simon, nor does it count the half dozen times that Peter is referred to as Cephas. When you put all those together, Peter's mentioned nearly 200 times. Andrew, his brother, his name occurs, as I said, 13 times in 12 verses. And of the mere 13 times that Andrew's name is mentioned, <laughs> just over half indicate to us in so some form or fashion that he was Simon Peter's brother. Maybe so we'll actually have a point of reference to remember who this guy is that's seldom ever mentioned. Half the time, they have to remind us that he's Simon Peter's brother. <coughs> yes, it was indeed the great apostle, if I can use that term, Peter, who opened up the church, opened up the kingdom to both Jew and Gentile alike in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 10. But Peter was actually brought to Jesus by Andrew, not the other way around. Please open your Bibles tonight to John chapter 1. Because Peter being brought to Andrew in the first place is what brings us to what this humble servant of the living God is seen and perhaps best known for doing in the scriptures. And that is the all-important job of bringing people to Jesus or bringing resources to him, as we will see. I want to take a look tonight into the life of this apostle who's known for bringing people to Jesus. 
We see him in John chapter 1 as a devoted disciple of John the Baptist. Despite the fact that he and his brother are part of a lucrative fishing business, Mark 1, 16 through 29, Andrew is still a sincere seeker of God early on in his life. We see that because he was John the Baptist's disciple. In fact, chronologically, as we look through here, Andrew was seeking God if we can just rely on, on well, we can rely on the record, but if we just go by, by the biblical record, it appears chronologically that we see Andrew seeking God prior to Peter seeking God. So, let's take a look at this. John 1, starting at verse 35. Again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. It's interesting that all they needed from John the Baptist, their rabbi, their teacher that they trusted, was simply that John said, There's Jesus, he who takes away the sins of the world, as it were, the Lamb of God. And immediately they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned, verse 38, and seeing them following, he said, what do you seek? As we've talked about so often since last November in many of our classes, good teachers ask questions. And they said to him, Rabbi, which is to say, when translated teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and they saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. These two disciples, of John the Baptist, when they realize this is Jesus, when John says the Lamb of God, they follow him, they talk to him, they spend time with him. Now, one of the two, verse 40, who heard John speak and followed him, that is Jesus, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, we found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus, please notice, please notice that as soon as Andrew spent a little time with Jesus and he understood who Jesus was, the first thing he runs out and does immediately is go get his brother and he brings Peter to Jesus. Soon afterward, Andrew and his brother Peter left everything that they had known behind on the shore to follow Jesus. Matthew 4, verses 18 through 20. Mark 1, 16 through 18. Shortly thereafter, we see that both Peter and his brother Andrew, along with 10 others of Jesus' disciples, were chosen by our Lord to be apostles. We see that in Matthew 10, Mark 3, and Luke 6. And you know, as Jesus traveled and healed and taught the people about the kingdom of God, Many followed Jesus, many heard him, caused some logistical problems. Great problems to have. Isn't it a great problem to have when you have to wonder which way to extend the church building because it won't hold everybody that shows up? I mean, that's a great problem to have, right? And the great problem Jesus had was very similar in that you got all these people that want to be there and yet they don't have food enough for them. John chapter six, please turn there. We'll be staying in the gospel according to John tonight. John chapter 6, follow along from verse 1 where it says this. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. 
Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Once again, enter Andrew, doing what he so often seemed to be doing when we see him present in the scriptures, bringing someone, or in this case, something to Jesus. In this case, he brings Jesus the report of a, a young boy who's got a little bit of food. Philip answered, verse 7, said to him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. He said, we, we, all that money wouldn't even buy enough to feed everybody a little. But then verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, you see the point of reference again because we all know who Peter is, right? Simon Peter's brother, Andrew said to him, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? You know, after Jesus' miraculous utilization of that information and resources that he had been brought by Andrew, after he utilized them in a miraculous way to feed them, you know what happened? Wound up causing a whole lot of people to come to the conclusion that Jesus Christ was indeed the Messiah verses 10 through 14 of John 6. So even though he didn't directly bring people to Jesus, he brought Jesus the resources which were miraculously utilized that caused other people to come to the conclusion that Jesus was the Messiah. Andrew was somebody who brought things and people to Christ. If we would turn to John chapter 12, in verses 20 through 22, we would see where certain Greeks had come up to the feast to worship. The first one they came to was Philip and said, hey, we'd love to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. But Philip, instead of going to tell Jesus himself, went and for some untold reason told Andrew. The Bible doesn't tell us why. Philip, instead of taking him to Jesus, takes him to Andrew and said they want to see Jesus. My question is, had Andrew already developed a reputation amongst his peers as the one who was best at bringing people and other things to Jesus? I don't know. But I do see that once again, in this text, it is Andrew who takes the lead in bringing people to Jesus. In verse 22 of John 12, we would notice that his name is listed first. He takes the lead. One quick question just to consider. With Andrew's reputation and always being there to bring people to Jesus, if he was a member of this congregation, do you suppose he'd get on board quick with SOS 2019? This is what he did. The next to the last time that we see Andrew's name in the sacred text, only 13 times. Next to the last one, he's questioning Jesus along with Peter, James, and John about the destruction of the temple on that final Tuesday afternoon of Jesus' pre-crucifixion life in Mark 13 one and following. And then the final time that we ever see Andrew's name in the scripture, in the sacred text at all, he is assembled with the others in the upper room in Acts 1 and verse 13. In that text, his name is listed after Peter, James, and John. We know Peter. We know about him opening up the church. We know so much. We preach so much about Peter. We know about James. We know about John. We know about the Revelation, Gospel according to John. We know these great things that they did. And Andrew's name is listed after theirs, and he's never seen or heard from in the scriptures again. That's it. 
Now, secular, uninspired history would go on to tell us that Andrew continued his biblical pattern of seeking to bring people to Jesus right up until the bitter and unbelievably painful end. Some of the early church writers, and again, this is not divinely inspired. This is uninspired history. This is the historical record, not the biblical record. But the historical record, according to some early church writers, report that Andrew went on to preach in such places as Scythia, <laughs> Greece, Asia Minor, Minor, I'm sorry, I'm in Oklahoma, I gotta put an R on that, Asia Minor, and Thrace. However, as the New Unger's Bible Dictionary says, quote, at length, tradition states he came to Petraea, a city of Achaia, where Aegis, the proconsul, enraged that Andrew persisted in preaching, commanded him to join in sacrificing to the heathen gods. And upon the apostle Andrew's refusal to do so, the proconsul ordered him to be severely scourged and then crucified. To make his death more lingering, they wanted to put all the pain in this they could. To make his death more lingering, he was fastened to the cross, not with nails, but with cords. Some of you may be familiar with what's called a St. Andrew's cross. It's a, an X that's down on its side like this. Having hung for two days, praising God and exhorting the spectators to embrace the faith, he is said to have expired. The point of this lesson is simply this tonight, that a young man who is serious about seeking Jesus will not only be overjoyed when he finds him, but will seek to make whatever sacrifices are necessary in order to bring others to him. That's what Andrew did. A young man that is serious about Jesus Christ, once he finds him, will go bring others to him. He will be both anxious and willing to put in whatever amount of time studying and training that it takes. Andrew spent time with Jesus. Andrew was there for the three and a half years that Jesus performed his, his public ministry, as it were. Andrew was listening and being taught, and he was putting in the training, and then he went and told others as well. And it will not matter to a young man like that if or whether he ever gets much, if any, notoriety, because notoriety is not what he's after. Andrew is mentioned 13 times. And he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. And you just never know who else such a young man might bring to Jesus and what they might accomplish in the years to come. Or as one writer put it, Although Peter was the spiritual father of the Pentecost converts, Andrew was their spiritual grandfather, and I like that. The point is, is that what Peter did on the day of Pentecost was made possible because the first thing Andrew did was went and got Peter and brought him. You never know when these young men go out and they talk to others about Jesus, what those people that they bring to Jesus are gonna accomplish in their lifetime. It's absolutely true. But the fact is that Jesus did not fail to prize, support, and, a, and appreciate such a sincere and faithfully devoted young man as Andrew. He eventually selected him to be one of his very own much-cherished 
hand-picked apostles. May all of the young men and women within the sound of my voice tonight always seek to become just such humble, faithful, and fully devoted lifelong servants of the living God until he comes to take us all home. And may we, as the older, as it were, elect and beloved New Testament children and family of the living God, do whatever we can, whenever we have the opportunity to love, support, encourage, and appreciate those folks as well. Those who want to give their life seeking to bring others to Christ. If you're here tonight and you are not a member of the Lord's Church, if you have never repented and been baptized into Christ for the, for the forgiveness of your sins, we'd love to welcome a new baby into the family tonight. If you're here, perhaps, and you've heard the story of Andrew and you've realized how evangelistic he was, and you say, you know what, I need prayers, I need strength, I want to be more evangelistic. If there's any way whatsoever that we can help you in your quest to either know God better or to bring others to him, please, I'll be right here waiting. It's not that long a walk, I make it every Sunday. Please come to the front as we stand and sing. <laughs>